I hope everybody uh, had a great Christmas. Um, I know we did as family. You know, I was, as that last song was being sung, because it's one of my favorite songs, um, I was sitting in, back in the corner, um, and I just began to thank God and, and pray uh, and thank Him for the fact that even though I may not be feeling great today and I may not have a lot of voice, it's his breath that's in my lungs that he breathed into me that will give me the strength to get through whatever it is I need to. It's his breath that comes out of us. That's a part of who we are when we surrender and give him our lives. And I'm very, very thankful for that today. You know, as we begin today, uh, just pray with me if you would. Lord, uh, again, I thank you for this time. God, what we do in these next several minutes may be the most important minutes that we'll spend before this year's out. And so, Father, we are asking you to speak to our hearts today and to open them and to Open our minds to be receptive to what you have. God, help us just to put everything else aside. It doesn't it really doesn't matter what games are on. It doesn't matter where we're going to eat. It doesn't matter what we're going to do this afternoon or tomorrow. What matters is this moment and what we do with what you have given us. Life is short. God, and we just need to make sure we've done all we can to be ready to be with you. So in these next few moments, God, may your spirit work and, and move and touch. And Father, may you open us up. It's in your name we pray. Amen. You know, there are um, certain things in the life of the church that uh, especially when I think about laying out a year and preaching, there are certain things that I have no trouble with uh, reemphasizing or repeating in some ways. And the reason for that is there are some things that are just very important to help us to begin to, to set on who we are and where we're going, not only as a person, but as a church. And so there are certain things that are part of who we are as a church, part of our DNA, that are important to look at. One of those is the area of evangelism. And we'll talk about that sometimes a couple times a year, maybe in a little different context, but it'll all be in that area of, of evangelism. There are things like our vision and our mission, and, and this year in February, that's one of the things when we finish this first series, I'm going to look two or three weeks at just what, what vision and mission is and what we are as a church, because those are important to look at. Those are important to know. People need to know, especially not only those that are here, but those that are visiting, what we're about, who we are, what we believe, where we're going, what our vision is, and what our mission is as a church. They need to know that because we can't begin to accomplish that if we don't know it. 
And so there are certain things that are very important in the DNA of a church that we need to begin to refocus on. So it's been, a, it's been over a year, actually, uh, when I looked at this area that we're going to talk about today. It's simply this. I titled it Checking, Checking Your Commitment Level. Checking Your Commitment Level. And the reason we're going to talk about that is this. It's because it is so easy to just go through the motions of life. And to allow everything else to pull us away. And all of a sudden, where we were is now where we wish we were. Because we've fallen back on that commitment. We've allowed everything else to take its place. And we've allowed everything else to have priority. And it's important to begin to, especially I think, as we are about to leave 2018 and we're about to go into 2019... This is the time of year everybody makes resolutions, right? I mean, you probably have made resolutions or you're thinking about them. The reality is they last for about 30 days, if, if that, you know, and then, and then they're gone, you know. So uh, it, it's just the way a life is. That's why it's important, though, to check on our spiritual th- life and have a spiritual checkup. And so t- this morning, I'm going to give you a spiritual checkup. And so it may step on your toes. It may make you squirm a little bit, but you know what? That's okay, because that's not me that's doing it. That's the Holy Spirit. And we need to begin to understand, understand those things. So we're going to jump in, and we're going to get started. Now, I'll be real honest with you. I'm not a huge country music fan. Um, there are some things I like, but I, I grew up on country music, because that's all my mom and dad listened to, that and Southern Gospel. And so they would take us to all kinds of concerts, you know, and uh, whether it was Southern Gospel or whether it was country concerts. My dad loved one of, you know, the guys, George Jones, if you, you know who George Jones is, some of you do, you know, my dad lo- loved that. We weren't related, but he just loved to listen to him. Now, on March 6, 1999, country music fans were shocked to hear that George Jones was critically injured when he, He crashed his Lexus into a bridge in Nashville. The investigation showed that he was literally hammered. I mean, he was hammered. He made a full recovery, and two months later, his new album called Cold Hard Truth came out, and on it was a song called Choices. And ironically, the hook line of that song simply said, I'm living and dying with the choices I made. I'm living and dying with the choices I made. And here's the thing. Every day of our life and every day on the journey of life, we all make choices. And what we must remember is this. The choices we make today are the ones we're going to have to live with tomorrow. But the choices we make today also will determine your commitment level. And I think that's the thing we forget. Now, some of the choices we make in life, they're not really that earth-shattering, right? I mean, history's going to see very little difference in the cereal that you ate this morning. It's really not going to matter. There, it's not going to matter that much where you, what restaurant you choose to go to when church is out. really doesn't matter. But there are choices in life that are important. There's choices in life that are literally life-altering because they will determine the level of your commitment to Jesus. And as you look at the choices we make, there tends to be a common denominator in a lot of the choices. 
In fact, let me give you some examples and see if you can kind of come up with that common denominator. Let me ask you. If you had to choose between sleeping on a brand new king-size Tempur-Pedic mattress or a twin-size box spring that you found along the side of the road, which one are you going to choose? I know which one I would choose. Or how about this? If you had to choose between wearing your favorite pair of Nikes or Converse or Adidas or Reebok or whatever to play basketball in or wearing a pair of wooden clogs, which one are you going to choose? Or how about this? If you could choose between an all-expense-paid weekend at a five-star resort or camping in the middle of the desert in August without a sleeping bag or a tent, which one are you going to choose? Now, I know all these are pretty random, right? It's just pretty random questions. But they all have a common denominator. And the common denominator is this. It's comfort, right? Comfort determines a lot of the choices we make in life. Our society places a very high value on comfort. That's why we have memory foam for our beds. We have lazy boys for our living rooms. We have body pillows and snuggies, and the list can go on and on. But here's the thing. There's a danger in choosing too much comfort. The danger is this. If we're not careful, our faith will follow suit. We'll become Christians who demand comfort, who demand convenience, which will affect our commitment level to Jesus. In fact, some preachers today even pad their messages with easy teachings, causing them to become lifeless and full of fluff. There was a cartoon that came out a few years ago in Leadership Magazine. It showed a church building with a billboard in front of it that simply said, The Light Church, L-I-T-E, the light church, home of the 7.5% tithe, 15-minute sermons, 45-minute worship services, 24% fewer commitments, and only eight commandments, and you get to choose everything you wanted in a church and less, the light church. And I guarantee you, if that kind of a church came out today, it would be running thousands In a matter of months. Why? Because we like comfort. We want to go somewhere where we're going to hear what we want to hear. Rather than going somewhere where we're going to be challenged. To become more what Christ has called us to be. That's just kind of people we tend to be. If we're not careful. And yet as you look at the teachings of Jesus. We find that his teachings are anything but fluff. Instead, his teachings are full of life. They're full of life. They're life-giving. They don't suck you dry. They infuse you with life. So this morning, every one of us in this room needs to have what we're going to call a DTR talk with Jesus before you leave here today. A DTR talk with Jesus. In other words... We need to define the relationship. We need to define the relationship. We need to find out where we stand with Jesus. 
And my prayer is that you will welcome this DTR moment because you are ready to move to a different level in your commitment and in your relationship with Jesus. So as we think about our relationship with him, there's a verse that's found in 2 Chronicles 16, verse 9, that can lay the foundation for what we'll, we'll be looking at this morning. It simply says this. The eyes of the Lord search the whole earth in order to strengthen those whose hearts, and look what he says, whose hearts are fully committed to him. The eyes of the Lord search the whole earth in order to strengthen those whose hearts are fully committed to him. Now, here's what I want us to understand. All of us can fall into the same trap, no matter how committed we think we are. We can all fall into this trap of wanting comfort, of trying to be comfortable, of trying to take it easy or the easy way out. We trust in ourselves or in the things of the world has to offer instead of trusting in God. And yet God says in that verse, I'm searching for the fully committed. I'm searching for those who will trust me, not the world, not comfort. Not ease, but who will trust me, even when life gets tough, and even when we are overwhelmed. So here's the question. The question is, are you the person God is searching for? Think about it. Are you the person God is searching for? The one who has surrendered their life to his Is that who you are? If you're not sure where you stand in your relationship with Jesus Christ, let me give you three questions that you need to honestly answer. And then we'll look at some application to hopefully bring things into perspective. The first question is this. You need to ask simply, why am I here? Just ask yourself that. I mean, ask yourself, why am I here? Why am I here? It's because I didn't have anything else to do? Because this is what I do on Sundays? I just kind of get up and I go, is this what I do? Is this why you're here? Let me tell you, when you read through the Gospels, there were times in Jesus' ministry where he would simply draw a line in the sand and he would begin to separate the fans from the followers. Not physically, but through his teaching. And he would begin to thin out the ranks. And, and we'll look at that in just a moment as we begin to do some application. But the question we have to ask ourselves is simply that. Why am I here? Why am I here? What's my because? The second question is this. Am I all in? Am I all in? You see, when we give Jesus our lives, we are giving him everything. It's a total commitment. It's a total surrender. But the problem is that most people today, we don't do well with total commitment. We just don't do well with it. I mean, a lot of people prefer selective commitment. That's how I like to put it. Selective commitment. Simply put, we want to customize Christianity. And so we look at our relationship with Jesus, and we kind of treat it like we do when we go buy a car. You know how it is when you go buy a car? 
you, you look and you say, I'll take this option, this option, that option, but I really don't want that option because I won't pay for that. And we try to customize what we want because we want to get what we want, but we don't want to get what we don't want. And we do that in our relationship with Jesus. We come to him and we say, okay, Jesus, I understand I need to surrender to you and I need to be committed to you. But let me tell you, this, I'll take this, this, and this, but this, man, I don't want that. You keep that for now. Maybe later, but I, I just don't want that. So we customize our Christianity. We say, I'm going to follow you, but I'm going to kind of pick and choose the areas where I want to follow. Or we say things like, I'll follow you, Jesus, but don't ask me for, to forgive the person that hurt me. Because after all, I'm not ready to give up that resentment and bitterness yet. Or we say, I'm not ready, Lord. I'm not ready to give the way you want me to give because after all, it's my money and you really shouldn't tell me what I need to do with my money. Or I'll follow you, Jesus, but don't tell me to abstain from these sexual desires because after all, didn't you give them to me in the first place? And so we developed this customized Christianity that says, I'll follow Jesus, but only in the areas that are comfortable, only in the areas that are easy, only in the areas that I agree with. I'm a Christian, but I'm going to go about it my way. And Jesus says, I'm afraid not. I'm afraid it doesn't work that way. You see, there are no selected commitments, no bargaining, no bartering, and no finagling. When you decide to become a follower of Jesus, you've got to go all in. I mean, that's the bottom line. You go all in. And the comfortable? The comfortable don't like the idea of going all in. They're not wild about having to make sacrifices, about having to deny themselves of something they desire or crave. But let me tell you, if you've honestly answered why you are here, then it is easy to figure out if you're all in. If you've honestly answered why you are all, why you're here, it is easy to figure out if you're all in. Because if you aren't here for the right reasons, chances are you won't be all in either. The third question is this. Have I made it my own? Have I made it my own? Why am I here? Am I all in? And have I made it my own? Many of us started going to church because of a parent or a grandparent, right? Some of you in here in this room, that's probably how you started going to church. Maybe they said you had to go. Maybe it wasn't an option. Or maybe you started coming to church because of a boyfriend or a girlfriend or a spouse. Maybe that's you. You came because it pleased them. And for those of us who grew up in the church or who attended church to please somebody, it can be easy to become just simply a fan, the person that is just comfortable. But we must understand, if our faith isn't our own, if we aren't personally pursuing a relationship with Jesus Christ, If we just keep coming week after week and we just share somebody else's faith, we're just numbing ourselves to the real thing. We'll become comfortable with the things that require no sacrifice or personal change. But if we want to be a real follower, then you have to make your faith 
your own. It's got to be your own. As we've said before, Jesus isn't looking for a relationship with you and your parents and him. He's looking for a relationship with you and him. He's not looking for a relationship with you and your spouse and him. He's looking for a relationship with you, period. Maybe that's one of the reasons Jesus said these words in Luke chapter 14, verses 25 to 26. Look what he says. He says, one day when a large group of people were walking along with him, Jesus turned and told him, anyone who comes to me but refuses to let go of father, mother, spouse, children, brothers, and sisters, yes, even one's own life cannot be my disciple. You see, this is not about mom. It is not about dad. It's not about grandma. It's not about grandpa. It's not about brothers and sisters or friends or anybody else. It is simply about you and Jesus. That's it. So the question is, have you made your faith your own? Have you made it your own? Or are you still trying to get into heaven on the coattails of everybody else? Because if you are, then it's time. It's time to make your faith your own because you'll never be committed to Christ if, the, if your faith isn't your own faith. So we need to search our hearts and we need to ask, how committed am I? Do I know why I'm here? Am I all in? And have I made it my own? Now, as we think about answering these questions, there's a passage in John chapter 6. If you've got your Bibles, just open them up to John chapter 6 because we're going to be going through a lot of that chapter. John chapter 6. That can give us some insight. Jesus is in the height of his ministry and the word is spread about his miraculous healings and, and teachings. He's become so popular that huge crowds literally are following him and they're cheering him on because they... They just want to see what's going to happen next. I mean, he's got that kind of a reputation. But in verse 2, Jesus realizes why they are coming, why all these crowds are following him. They're coming because of the miracles. They're coming because of the show. They didn't care as much about the teaching. They didn't care about being changed. They were there to hopefully see something cool. Maybe another miracle. Now we're told in the scriptures that there were about 5,000 men in the crowd. But that was just the men. So there's a good chance that the crowd could have been possibly even up to 10,000 people. We don't know. And Jesus has gone up on the mountainside with his disciples. And he sees this huge crowd approaching. And he knows that the people are going to be hungry. So he turns to Philip and he asks what all these people will do for, for food. And after all, I mean, up to 10,000 people, that's a lot of mouths to feed, right? I mean, that's a lot of people to feed. Now, Philip tells Jesus that even if they had eight months wages, that's not going to be enough money to buy enough food to feed everybody. I mean, they're not even going to get a bite. There's that many people. So from Philip's perspective, this isn't their problem. And even if it was, there's really nothing they can do about it. 
But there's another disciple, and his name is Andrew. Now, Andrew's been scanning the crowd, and he tells Jesus about a boy that has five loaves of bread and two small fish. Now, think about that. 10,000 people, and Philip goes, and he's very excited, and he says, I found a boy who's got five loaves of bread and two fish. Now, Andrew's either very horrible at math, or he has an amazing amount of faith in what Jesus can do, okay? So Jesus doesn't disappoint him. He takes the boy's sack lunch, and he feeds the entire crowd. And the Bible tells us that, there's a lo- that even after everyone had their fill, there was still plenty of food left over. I mean, they just filled baskets up with what was left over. Now, after dinner, the crowd decides to camp out for the night so that they can be with Jesus the next day. After all, they're committed fans, right? But the next morning, the crowd wakes up, and they're hungry again. They're ready for breakfast. But they look around, and Jesus, a.k.a. their meal ticket, he's nowhere to be found. And eventually, they figure out that Jesus and his disciples had crossed over to the other side of the lake. So instead of going home, they simply go around to be with Jesus. But by the time they catch up with him, they're starving. And it's too late for breakfast. And now they're wanting some lunch. But here's what they discover. They discover that Jesus has decided to shut down the all-you-can-eat buffet. It's not there anymore. He's not handing out any more free samples. Instead, he decides to have the relationship talk, the DTR moment with this crowd. He knows that these people are not going to all the trouble and sacrifice because they are following him, but because they are following the food. That's why they're coming. So in verses 26 and 27 of John 6, this is what we read. Jesus answered, You've come looking for me, not because you saw God in my actions, but because I fed you. I filled your stomachs and for free. Don't waste your energy striving for perishable food like that. Work for the food that sticks with you. Food that nourishes your lasting life. Food the Son of Man provides. He and what he does are guaranteed by God the Father, to last. And let me tell you, just like the crowd that day, we all must ask the tough questions so that we can honestly define the relationship with Jesus. The questions of why am I here? Am I all in? Have I made it my own? After all, how we respond when the drive through window is closed and the all-you-can-eat buffet line is shut down, how you respond will tell you if Jesus is enough when he is all that's left. Now look down in verses 35 and 36. Look what it says. Jesus brings them and us to a decision point. But this time, instead of offering them food, he offers them himself. He offers himself, but the question is, is he going to be enough? Look what it says in verses 35 and 36. Jesus said, 
I am the bread of life. The person who aligns with me hungers no more and thirsts no more, ever. I have told you this explicitly because even though you have seen me in action, you don't really believe me. I want you to write this down because this is something you need to honestly begin to look at and ask the tough questions on. When Jesus is the only thing on the menu, that's when you find out what people are really hungry for. You get that? When Jesus is the only thing on the menu, that's when you find out what people are really hungry for. In other words, when there is no other options, that's when you have to decide, is Jesus enough? Is he enough? Is he enough in your life? When everything else is gone, everything else is taken away, is he enough for you in your life? Because your answer will determine your commitment level. Your answer will determine the choices you make from that point on. Now let me tell you, there are plenty of stories that I can tell you of when this realization hits home with people. Sometimes it's after a child or a parent is diagnosed with cancer. Or after you or your parents get divorced. Or after the addiction seems unbeatable. Or a future seems overwhelming or after a relationship falls apart. And suddenly at those times, having just a little bit of religion, having just a little bit of Jesus, just being comfortable, get this, it isn't enough. It's not enough. And in those moments, in those times, when Jesus is the only thing left on the menu, that's when you find out that he's exactly the thing you need. He's exactly the thing you need in your life. He becomes more than a guy just wearing sandals. He becomes your only hope for the future as well as the present. Now let's reflect. So let me ask you, how about you? Why are you here? I mean, what's your because? Is it because you like the free coffee? Is it the people, the programs, the music, the message? I mean, what's your because? You see, the bottom line is this. At some point, we all have to check our commitment level. Now, in that passage in John 6, Jesus challenges the people to a deeper commitment. He challenges them to go to the next level, to be more intimate in their relationship with him. Go down to verse 66. Verse 66, because here's what we read. After this, a lot of his disciples left. In other words, a lot of the crowd that were following that day, they left. They no longer wanted to be associated with him. And then Jesus gave the 12 their chance. Do you also want to leave? Do you want to leave? You see, a lot of people who were following that day, a lot of people simply went home. Why? Because Jesus says, let's see what we've got. And what he offered wasn't what they wanted. 
And whether you want to or not, it is time to be honest with yourselves and with Jesus. As you get ready to leave 2018, as you get ready to push into 2019, it is time to take some time to stop and to ask those tough questions and to see what you've got, to see where that relationship with Jesus really is. So let me ask you, why are you here? Why are you here? I mean, what's your because? Or how about this? If everything was stripped away in your life, everything, if everything was gone and taken, would Jesus be enough? Would he be enough for you? Pray with me. Father, I thank you for this time and I thank you for this day. And God, I understand this is not easy. It's not easy for me because I'm in the same boat. I have to do exactly what I'm asking everybody else to do. I've got to look at my relationship as well. And I've got to ask those tough questions. But God, we all need to do it. Because who we're going to become this next year is really dependent on the choices that we choose today and the decisions we make today. And our commitment level will be determined by that. And so help us to to ask those tough questions and to begin to look deep inside Because there's a world around us dying and going to hell. And you need people today who are committed to your cause. Who are committed to not just being comfortable. But who are committed to doing everything they can to, to make sure your kingdom explodes in this place. And as a church, God. What we are and what we become will only be as strong as us, the leaders, as well as us, the people. And so help us today to ask the tough questions and to especially ask, are you enough? Are you enough? in your name we pray. Amen.